so today on American Conversations, we have Hannah McDonald, who was uh, a, a was a student at West Point Academy. And uh, Hannah, uh, thank you for coming on to discuss your situation and give us your background uh, about uh, how you got to, to uh, West Point. Um, so I actually didn't know West Point um, was an academy or an option for the longest time because I'm from Massachusetts where we don't talk much about the military. But um, I got into an FBI leadership program my freshman year in high school. And it was at that program that I heard about West Point. And immediately I was like, this is where I want to go. And it's because I didn't want the typical college experience. I was very um, service focused. I grew up as a Christian. And so a lot of my life has just been, what can I do for other people? What can I do to advance the gospel and fight for truth and freedom? And um, the military just seemed like a great place to do that. And so I just went headfirst into applying for West Point and the pieces sort of all fell together and I got in. <laughs> Good for you. So um, what did you, did you come from a military background? I didn't, no. Um, my parents both own a dojo though. So I came from like a martial arts family. <laughs> A martial arts family. Oh my yes, goodness! So, um, how many how many siblings do you have? I have one older brother, and he's at Boston Baptist College. All right. Um, so, what year were you until recently? Um, I was a yuck, which is a sophomore. Okay. And did you have a great experience when you were? At I West did. Point? I loved West Point. Um, I loved the Army, <laughs> the culture. It was really good. I had a lot of good friends, and then. It wasn't until all this vaccine stuff started that I really started to see the true colors of my leaders. And um, that's when everything went south. Okay, and how, how many girls these days are in, in a class at West Point? Um, I have a few classes where I am the only girl. And I'd say at most, you'd have like three or four. But overall in your, in your sophomore class, uh, what's the percentage of women that are, young women that are at, there at West Point? I'm not quite sure. I think it's two or 300 out of the 1,000. Okay, so um, let's talk about the last year, COVID. It affects everybody, it's all over the globe. Um, tell us what happened. So our COVID year, which is the year we entered in, um, the upperclassmen said to us all the time, you know, this is terrible, it's not usually like this, but as a plea, but like I didn't know anything else, so that was all right. <laughs> Um, however, doing beast in a mask, that was just really terrible because, you know, trying to train and things like that while just actively suffocating, you know, just is not the move. But, um, the, Did you have to wear the mask all the time. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah, what, about, what about the dormitories? What about in the dormitories? Yes, we had to wear it in our dorms. And even if we had, um, other students in our company who came over to our rooms to do homework, we'd have to wear our mask in our room which to me, I hate, like, I hate the mask. I can't really breathe in it. Um, yeah. But it was just, it was very difficult to be in it all the time. Like even in my own room up to evening hours and I'm doing homework with just one or two classmates. Sure. sure. Yeah. But, um, that was all plebe year. And then my sophomore or at the end of my plebe year, that's when the vaccine stuff started coming in. So second semester, we had the opportunity to start getting vaccinated. And immediately it was very... I'd say optional. Um, it was very much like, yeah, you can volunteer to go do this. We have this being offered in one of our auditoriums. You can sign up and just go. And 
half of the students, I would say, just kind of went right ahead and did it just in hopes to go back to normal. Um, and then as time went on, leadership started getting more aggressive. We started getting more emails, a lot more social media posts about how we're vaccinating our military, we're vaccinating in the service academies. And it got to the point where I received an email that I had to go to a mandatory brief for only unvaccinated people. And it was at this brief that I really started to feel the us first them tension that started to build between our leadership and between the cadets. And they had only let vaccinated people on this panel, which was supposed to be educational, but it's not educational if you're only letting one side <laughs> of the party talk about it. And it turned into this like three and a half hour long brief and cadets were asking questions and the questions were being dismissed and kind of mocked at. And, and there were very like intelligent questions concerning science and fertility and how this was gonna affect us as a military. No one seemed to care. It was all about the agenda. Like you need to be vaccinated. And who so, was, pardon me for a second. Who was on the panel? Were the, were these military experts, doctors, scientists, people from NIH, NIAID, FDA, CDC? I mean, it's the alphabet <laughs> soup. It's they had. Party. They did have quite a panel. Um, it was a few local like doctors, nurses, and then different captains and just like leadership people at West Point who were offering different perspectives. They also had a chaplain on the panel, um, which I felt was sort of deceitful because they only allowed a chaplain who was vaccinated to come speak to all of the Christians who didn't want to be vaccinated and basically tell us that, you know, this is safe and effective. And in terms of religion, you shouldn't have religious pushback to it. And I just felt like that was really horrible um, because I'd say a lot of us in there were people of faith and to have that be the only person as our religious authority telling us that we should be vaccinated. It was just, I was really upset leaving and the whole thing happened too during our mandatory study period in which we're not supposed to be touched at all. <laughs> um, but instead, you know, they pulled us out of that and then I couldn't even start my homework until study period was over and it was now 11 at night. And I had to email my teachers explaining why I couldn't do my homework, in which case now they all know that I'm unvaccinated. <laughs> and it was just a whole mess that day. So, so what month did this briefing happen? Oh, um, I think it was April or May. And how many students, how many cadets were in the room at that, that night? So 600 were invited and I'd say only three or 400 actually went. <laughs> um, it was, it was labeled mandatory, but upperclassmen have kind of figured out what's actually mandatory and what's not. <laughs> so, okay. so yeah. they were, were they mostly plebes that were there for, I mean, first year students? I would say it was mostly underclassmen. So what was the reaction among among the cadets that night when it ended? Were people did people have the same reaction you did? Like this was this was just one sided? Yes, there was a lot of bitterness afterwards about it. Um, however, a lot of students did actually go and get vaccinated after this brief simply because we were told, you know, you're not gonna be able to go home this summer. You can't go to specific schools over the summer. Uh, your privileges are going to be taken away. And for upperclassmen, they know how important it is to go home and to see your family and to just get out of West Point. And where they had spent all year in COVID lockdown, I think at this point, they were just like, we know our military, we know West Point, there's no way out of this besides just getting vaccinated. And so they did. But then a lot of us who I guess you could deem more naive about how this all works, we're like, these are just threats and we're not going to give in simply because West Point tells us to. <laughs> 
Did you did you feel that there was a contradiction in the fact that you were going to school and you wanted to that particular academy and you wanted you wanted to serve your fellow man, serve your country, and all of a sudden your freedoms of choice were being taken away? Did, did that cross your mind? Yes, I thought it was really strange. Um, I understood signing up that I was going to have a lot of liberties taken away. It's just part of the job from what I'm told. And I'm okay with that. Like I signed up knowing that I'd be joining an organization in which I'm risking my life for the freedom of others. And I was okay with that. But a lot of our psychology classes, which are also mandatory classes for plebes, talk about, you know, what do you do when you get an illegal or immoral order from your chain of command? Like, how do you respond to that? Do you just give in or do you push back? And it seemed like the moral thing that everyone agreed on is that despite the backlash, like, yes, you should always speak out against something that you think is illegal, immoral, unethical, et cetera. And so now I'm put in this position in which I think that this mandate, this coercion is unethical and I speak out against it as a leader at a leadership academy and I'm punished for it. And a lot of the officers were looking at us as very selfish and we don't understand that you just get vaccinated in the army. But to me, it's not about the vaccine. It's the principle behind it. And it's that you don't know what this vaccine does. I honestly think we're going to have a very ineffective army very soon. And I think a lot of people are not going to be deployable when the whole push was that you need to take this so that you can be deployable. And I don't think that's going to be the case in a few years. Did you did you do your own independent research on on, on the science? I did. Yes. And I brought it up at the brief and I was completely dismissed. In what way? Um, so I just brought up one um, about the fertility. You know, they said that it doesn't affect your fertility at all. Mind you, this is back in April or May. And they had literally said to us afterwards, yes, we understand there are no studies done, but it doesn't affect your fertility. And just about how the mRNA sequencing works, and it's the first time we've done this, and all the negative effects it's had on previous trials and how we are the trial. And I don't think you should have your entire military be a trial to new technology. And they essentially just said, you know, in like the few months that we've been doing this, it's safe and effective. I was like, what? So, so did they admit to you that nobody on the planet knows the long-term effects? They did. So was that, was that, did, how many people were on the panel? I think there was about six or seven people. Do you remember who actually said that they admitted that they do not know the long-term effects on fertility? I I don't, but it, I mean, it came up between like, I mean, everyone was under the consensus that we know there's no long-term data, but from what we can predict, it's going to be safe. That's that's because they don't want the vaccine hesitancy. That's, yeah. that's what that is all about. Yes. I mean, and we were also told like natural immunity, having had COVID before that doesn't actually protect you. And so they, were, they were denying the natural answer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did you say? Oh, I was just saying almost all the cadets in our corps had COVID last year. I mean, it swept through everybody. And so I would say our entire school has reached herd immunity simply through natural immunity. But they immediately were like, no, 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 you have to get the vaccine. Natural immunity is not cause for any sort of exemption, even though our army doctrine says that you can apply for a medical exemption if you have natural immunity, but that went out the window this past year. What about religious exemptions? So religious exemptions, they're still being processed. We've been told by a lot of higher up leadership that they think it's gonna be denied by the Surgeon General. Um, we're still waiting to see what's happening with that because this is a whole army issue right now and everyone is waiting to see 
what the Surgeon General is going to do, but it's just a period of waiting, but it's not very optimistic. So they were, they were uh, coercing you all to get, to get the vaccine, even though some religious exemption applications or medical exemption applications were pending? Uh, yes, ma'am. Well, over the summer, too, I had our COVID coordinator come see me at what we called the gulag, but it was where we were put in quarantine for those who were unvaccinated. Every time we left campus and came back, we just stay there for seven to 10 days. And she had said to me, you know, there's going to be no option for religious or medical exemptions. You should just go ahead and be vaccinated. And I said to her, well, I've talked to chaplains and they've said that religious exemptions are possible. That's why they exist in the army. And she just kept saying, well, what chaplains, what chaplains are you talking to? This isn't the case. There's not going to be exemptions. And even if this was from her own just guessing or experience with the army, you still can't tell someone that, especially where like, I am very naive in terms of how the army actually works because for me, it was my first year there. It's my first time in the military. And, you know, sure. I'm just trying to gauge as much information as I can and to have a full bird colonel look at me and say, you don't have an option for a religious exemption. Go get vaccinated. That's essentially telling someone with no other information, like, hey, this is your only option. And it wasn't. And I was very like, that was just blatant coercion that nobody cared about. So... I've never been to a military academy. I went to a Jesuit school, but we was pretty liberal at the time at Georgetown. So uh, do you have counselors? I mean, uh, you resident assistants that live on a floor, upperclassmen, somebody you guys can go to and talk to about, you know, any of your issues? Yes, ma'am. We have um, a lot of different counseling departments. We have peer counselors who are other cadets within our company. We have chaplains we can go see. We have um, CPD and CEP, which are two different programs to kind of help you in the counseling realm. But no one was really cared about the unvaccinated. All right. So I've heard some rumors about a woman named Colonel Dawson, I think. Did you ever run into her? Yes, ma'am. She was the colonel who told me that I couldn't have a religious exemption over the summer. She told you that, that she was the one that said that you, that you there was no religious exemption at yes, West Point. Is she the one that asked you um, about which chaplains were telling you that there there was a possibility? Yes, ma'am. She was she was trying to trying to glean some information to to what report those guys back to whoever she reports to. Is that I don't know, but as soon as she asked what chaplains they were, I was like, I'm not saying anything. I'm not, I'm not comfortable sharing that. Sure. Um, the chaplains were just doing their job and providing me with information. And she was very on the offense, like, who's telling you you can get around this? I was like, <laughs> okay. All right. So so tell us then, then what happened. So, so you chose not to get it. And, and did you go home during the summer? So I had like a special ETP to leave the week before summer started. So what's an ETP? I, what's an ETP? It's like a special pass, I guess okay. you could say. Um, so I had to get special permission to say that I could leave during graduation week because I had no classes or requirements and then come back in quarantine for a week before starting my summer training. And then after that, I was at school all summer. I couldn't go home. So and at what point did, did all this break down? Um, I would say over the summer was definitely like the big turning point for being unvaccinated at West Point. So about a week or two prior to us 
like leaving for the summer, there was a spreadsheet that was leaked to our freshman class about what companies we were going to be in for summer training. And within this spreadsheet was everyone's vaccination status. And it's because they had to group all of the unvaccinated into one platoon so that we would be segregated from everyone else. And so this spreadsheet is now circling around our class. And one of my friends brought this to his TAC officer and said, you know, sir, this isn't right. This isn't violation of my HIPAA. My classmates shouldn't know whether or not I got a vaccine. And this officer told him HIPAA is not the be all end all. And this statement has, you know, been pretty public and gone through the academy and there's been no repercussions. No one has apologized to us for what happened. It's been very pushed under the rug. And I, I just I didn't understand why the leaders at our leadership academy weren't being leaders. No one took responsibility. No one was accountable for what was happening. No one cared that we were being treated as the other and being ostracized. And then once summer training start is when like everything hit the fan and um, we were put into a segregated uh, platoon apart from everyone else, which one is against science. You know, why would you put a bunch of unvaccinated people together instead of sprinkling them out through vaccinated people, given that the vaccine works? Um, it just didn't make sense. But we had to be in masks the entire summer. And so while everyone else was having fun, our entire focus all summer was the mask and COVID and vaccines. And every other day we had our CEO talking to us and saying, you know, hey, eyes are on you. You need to have your mask on properly. You need to be wearing your mask, right? I'm sorry you're going through this, but like you need to do the right thing. And you chose not to be vaccinated. Like it was an entire mess. Um, and we so started was, off. Does, I mean, is it bullying you? Yes. Yeah. Or, well, no, not our CEO, um, but it was just like the position we had been put in because of our leadership is what created a very toxic environment. And so we started off in a tent um, apart from the rest of our CFT people who were all in bays, like back on kind of the campus -y part. Um, mm -hmm. We're on a field in a tent and it was split with all the guys with just like a tarp dividing us and after a week, because I know some parents complained, um, we were put sure. into a bay, but we all had to be like socially distant throughout the bay and all the girls and guys were sharing a bathroom together. And it was just like no one else in CFT had to experience this. It was simply because we were unvaccinated and um, we ended up getting negative counselings in our file because we were seen outside sitting down without our masks on. I was just like, we're outside in the sun having just finished training and you want me to put my mask on surrounded by vaccinated people for a virus that nobody has. Like it was just nuts. And it like simply put, it was annoying. Like it's annoying to walk around all summer in the heat with a cloth over your face while everyone else is like laughing and joking around. And that's where sort of this polarization started where people were pointing at us and laughing at us and calling us anti-science and Officers were telling their cadets to stay away from us because we're the dirty platoon. And it was just very poorly. They actually used that word, dirty platoon. Yes, ma'am. Officers did. And I would say the only people who really stood up for us throughout this was our cadet leadership. Um, we had some cows and firsties who were juniors and seniors who were sort of running it from the ground. And they fought for us. And I appreciate them. And that's why, like, a lot of our cadets our leaders and they'll stand up for the harder right over the easier wrong. And our PSG told us our first week there that if he had to get a bad grade just for fighting for us, he would do it. 
And to me, that's what a leader is, not these other men and women who are saying, we're going to sacrifice you guys for the success of our jobs. So we look good to our leaders. Oh, Hannah, they lost. They, 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 you, you belong there. You belong there. You do. You belong there. So, so tell us sort of what happened at the exit from the academy. So entering back into the school year, we had to do COVID testing twice a week at 6 a.m., um, which was an hour before the rest of the Corps had to get up. So, you know, we're moseying down to do our testing, you know, a bunch of healthy kids who had no symptoms. Right. Um, meanwhile, they denied COVID testing to those who were vaccinated, who felt sick, but that's its own monster. Um, and so between the, like coming back to school and the actual mandate, there were still lots of coercion. And this was again before DOD even said anything as a whole. And we were slowly kicked off of all of our sports teams, our clubs. I had friends who were on D1 um, golf, for example, who wasn't even allowed to sit with his team anymore. I had a friend kicked off parachute because it's too so dangerous this, to skydive by yourself. <laughs> this is, so, so this is just ostr ostracizing people. Oh yes, ma'am. We were- Segregating and ostracizing everything. people to, to make it so difficult that you would just give in. It's like you're behind enemy lines. <laughs> yes. Seriously. Um, but Nikayla Sampson, she was one of the cadets who left with me, but she was kicked off the crew team. And prior to West Point saying she had to be kicked off, her coach told her that it went against her ethics to coach unvaccinated cadets. So now we have people in leadership there who are just straight up saying like, I don't agree with you and I'm going to treat you differently because of it. Um, that's discrimination. So, yes. That's discrimination, um, segregation, ostracization. I mean, this sounds like it was a really ugly experience towards the very end when you guys came back in September. It just yeah. sounds as if it escalated. Yeah. And I would say the worst of it, um, there was guidance pushed down that we weren't allowed to go to any sort of club, including our on post religious clubs. And so I could sit in a classroom and learn statistics, but eight hours later, I couldn't sit in that same classroom to talk about my faith. And I had sent emails to so many people and I was like, this is just unethical. Like there is no science to this. There's no logic to this. And everyone just kind of pushed me to the side and they're like, you know, we're, we're doing what we can. It's like what you can, like, this is discrimination. You can't tell me that I can't attend like my place of worship um, on the grounds of health and safety when this has nothing to do with health and safety. And no one really batted an eye during this. And it ended up being revoked about a week later when a bunch of cadets went to go speak to the commandant and was like, hey, what's going on with this? And he's like, oh, I'm not sure where that guidance came from. It's like, who in the chain of command is like passing these rules down to the unvaccinated without higher leadership knowing? So either they were lying about it um, or they legitimately didn't know, in which case I don't know where this guidance is coming from, but it was absolutely horrible. Um, and so then at the end of this, we all got a call from our TAC officers on Sunday night after recall formation to tell us that the next morning we were going to be escorted to this auditorium to be told that this is your direct order to be vac vaccinated. And if you don't get it, you will be separated. And so, so you were told, you, let me let me back up for a second. So you were you were ordered to show up in the auditorium. Yes. Given the ultimatum. Mm -hmm. Yes. So wow. Um, wow. that Monday morning, wow. we all woke up. It was just like, it was very eerie, very dystopian. <laughs> and yeah. so my TAC NCO comes to get me, who was the greatest person throughout all of this. He was so encouraging. And I felt very blessed because I had a lot of friends who did not have supportive TAC officers or NCOs. Mm -hmm. um, but so he, he kind of guided me through this, walked me up there. 
And it was just weird. You know, we all got COVID tested. We entered into this auditorium and we couldn't sit with each other. Like we were all spaced out with our TAC teams and the BTO was there. Colonel Dawson was there. They had some other officers there just to help facilitate it. Who was the, the person in leadership who ran that meeting? Colonel Rutherford. He's our BTO. Okay. Yes. Um, so they basically first started off with this document for us to sign off saying, we understand that this is our initial counseling that we're now disobeying direct orders. And so our tax had to walk us through this and like they had to look at us and say, you understand that you are now disobeying an order because this is a direct order. And we ought to say yes <laughs> and sign off on this document. And after we signed the document, Colonel Dawson came out and gave us another brief about why the vaccine is safe and effective, why everyone's dying of COVID, why we have to get vaccinated. Why does, she, does Colonel Dawson have any medical background? Do you know? I know she's a podiatrist and I know she works in some sort of medical community at West Point. Okay, um, so she's, she's part of the medical team? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't think that makes her qualified to speak on COVID. I don't know how much she knows about gene therapy. And I don't think a foot doctor would, would necessarily equate to somebody that's, uh, but again, we've talked to a lot of doctors uh, and, and a lot of people who are vaccine injured. Mm -hmm. And they have told us repeatedly, even when they are injured, uh, immediately after the vaccine or, you know, a couple weeks or so, and these are severe injuries. Uh, and there are multiple injuries with people that even the, their physicians don't know how to treat them, even at the ERs or even at the general practitioners. So go on with this story, because this is extraordinary. Yeah, so um, they finished this whole brief. And at the end of it, they say, you now have the option to come down and choose whether or not you're going to go get vaccinated. They have the vaccines there. Um, if you're going to declare to be separated, or if you want to apply for a religious or medical exemption. However, also during this brief, they said there would be no medical exemptions for those who had natural immunity or who have had COVID. They said, even if you had myocarditis from COVID, because mind you, myocarditis is um, one of the reactions to the vaccine itself. They said- well, that's one, that, that is one of the ones that they have uh, they have actually acknowledged. There's some yeah. logical that, they ha that the FDA has yet to acknowledge. Because yeah, but they said, if you've been free of this for 90 days, you're eligible to get the vaccine. You can't get a medical exemption for that. They basically said, like, you cannot get a medical exemption unless you've had an anaphylactic reaction to one of the doses of the vaccine. So that's out of the question. So now well, how, how does how does that work? I mean, if you haven't taken the vaccine, you don't know if you're going to have a reaction. Exactly. So medical exemptions off the table. Um, and then the only other option was a religious exemption. Now, some of the students in here aren't religious. So to them, at this point, it was literally vaccinate or separate because you can't go through a religious exemption and not be religious. Mm -hmm. So it was just completely wrong what was happening. So I stood up to speak and I said, we do not have the FDA community approved vaccine. Even if the formulation of these two are the same, there is still a legal difference in the lot numbers. So if any of us were to be injured, we still cannot sue Pfizer. And according to what the Secretary of Defense has put out, we can only take the FDA approved vaccine. You don't have that. And they just over and over kept saying, it's an order. You're allowed to take the Pfizer. The formulation is the same. I said, I don't care if it's the same, like there's a legal difference. And because they kept pushing that off, that's when I started demanding, all right, well, we need legal counsel. Like we need lawyers here who we can talk to before being forced to make this decision. And they said, no. 
And so that was the moment that I you were denied that you were denied the right to be represented in a in a coerced environment. Yes. Where they basically said, take it or else. Yes. Um, and that's when I knew that I couldn't stay anymore. Um, I had fought through all of this and standing in front of a group of colonels who said to me, this is an order, you have to do it, despite knowing that I was on the legal side of the argument, the moral side of the argument, the ethical side of the argument, and they didn't care. I think that was just the tipping point for me where I was like, I can't in good conscience be a part of this organization under this leadership. And it had nothing to do with you know, me fearing the vaccine, because again, I understood that I was joining an organization in which I could risk my life, but I wasn't going to do that for a course of an evil government in which this wasn't going to be for the good of others. It wasn't going to be for the good of our military. It was going to be to harm so many people down the line. And it was just contributing to their power grab. And to me, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be a part of that. And I joined wanting to serve and to fight for freedom. And I couldn't fight for freedom within the army anymore. And so that next day I put in my out-processing papers. Hannah, you did fight for freedom. Don't ever forget that. You did fight for freedom. <laughs> you fought for medical freedom and good for you. How many other people uh, stood up like you did at that point in time at that meeting? At the brief, uh -huh. there was only two of us who stood up um, and both of us were talking about the legal differences with the vaccine. And and how many how many of these colonels Rutherford and Dawson how many of how many of the leadership were in that room at that time? So there was one officer represented from every company of student who was there. So I had to have um, my NCO there with me. Everyone else had some sort of officer NCO. And then yeah, there was Colonel Rutherford, Colonel Dawson. There was like a few doctors, and then. Um, chaplains, other majors and lieutenant colonels just kind of scattered throughout leadership who had been pulled out to help facilitate this. And none of the chaplains stepped up and, and uh, supported your position? So the chaplains weren't in the room at the time. They were in their own separate room in which if you had chosen a religious exemption, you would go see them and they would set you up for an interview. And when what was the date of this? This was the 27th of September. So... The next day you left and you just packed up your things, called your parents and went home. I mean, give, no, give, I us, didn't give leave. us the exit. Give us the exit. So the out-processing actually takes quite a bit of time. I put in my papers, but in the meantime, you have to still go to class, still go to COVID testing, all of these things. It takes a while for your packet to go all the way up the chain of command for the superintendent to sign off saying, okay, we'll let you go. Um, however, during this time, it was actually that week that I got incredibly concussed in boxing class which is a mandatory class. It was my second time being concussed in it. And so it was just like a horrible string of events where now I wasn't going to class because I was concussed, but I wasn't allowed to leave the academy until my papers were filed through. And so I'm still waking up at like 5.45 in the morning to go down to COVID testing when I should be resting my concussion, but they wouldn't let me skip COVID testing even though I was concussed and needed to rest and stay in my room where I wasn't getting COVID. <laughs> so they, so they, they were making it just difficult all the way around. They were trying to break it. Yeah. And even over the summer too. So I had COVID, right? I have natural immunity. And I think it was in May, I went to go see a doctor because I was still having lung issues from COVID. So I acknowledge out of all people that COVID can still harm people. And I'm still choosing not to take the vaccine because 
just because COVID is real doesn't mean that this vaccine is real. And so I was saying to him, I'm still having lung issues. I think that this mask is prolonging my recovery. I need to be able to just breathe throughout the day. And he acknowledged to me that the mask is making it worse. And he's seen a lot of cadets come in having these prolonged issues with breathing and lungs and things like that. And I asked him, could I have some sort of profile or exemption to not wear the mask to help my health recover? And he said, no, because it goes against the school's politics. And so my doctor understood that it was making me more sick, but I couldn't mm-hmm. take it off because of politics. So it's like, now I'm sacrificing my health for a political show. It was just like, there was no honor happening within the system, which was shocking to me because I thought that's what service academies were all about. Did you, did, did among your, your, your colleagues, did you have private conversations about this? I mean, did everybody realize that this is like uh, surreal? Oh yeah, I mean, sense, not logical. <laughs> yes, it, I mean, it's such a psychological game. And it was just the way that they tried to pit students against each other and then faculty against the students. It was just like, we were beaten down in such a subtle way that only we experienced and we realized that when we started sharing our stories with other cadets, who had been vaccinated or you know didn't really care about it suddenly we're like wait this is happening right now like this is what you're going through i'm so sorry and i mean students who were fully vaccinated pro vaccine all this stuff were still so upset about what was happening to us because again it's not about the vaccine it's about the treatment and a lot of this treatment happened before the mandate we were not disobeying any orders for months while we were being treated like this and it was only these past like I don't know, not even 30 days that we've been directly disobeying orders that weren't even legal orders. So so how many days did it take for the, your paperwork to be completed? So it took me about a week and a half. And I was told that I had one of the fastest out processings from the academy, I think because I ruffled a few feathers. But typically it takes about two months to out process someone. Wow. Hannah, what a story. Thank you very much for sharing. Is there anything else that we should know that I missed asking about? Um, I don't think so. Okay. All right. So, I mean, were you, were you, what are you going to do now that you've left the Academy? I'm honestly not sure. I'm just praying a lot through a lot of things right now. I think the Lord has given us a very unique platform to um, use this to go speak about truth and, I think one of the problems right now in our country is we're just trying to reverse a lot of things. We're trying to reverse the election and um, fight against all of these different things. But I don't think we need to reverse things. I think we need to repent. And I think America right now is starting to look a lot like all of the nations that opposed Israel and her king in scripture. And we know that every single time those nations became desolate. And I think America is going to become desolate very soon if we don't turn back in obedience to God. Hannah, what about what about the dream of graduating from the academy? What about, do you feel a sense of loss? Or do you feel this is an opportunity to, for something larger in your life? I don't feel a sense of loss. I think a lot of people idolize worldly success and in institutions. I think West Point in itself is an idol to a lot of people. And to me, you know, this is just one part of my journey in um, knowing God and making Him known and um, I went through a period of time there where I learned a lot. I'm grateful for the experience I had. And now we're just going to keep moving and see what the Lord has next and hopefully continue to pursue truth and justice and fight for freedom just in different platforms. God bless you.
Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being so so vulnerable and telling us your story. And and please mm -hmm. feel free to call us again as, as your journey continues. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Hannah. Bye.